Hey everybody, Nick here. The bros are recovering from Game of the Year so far from last week. So this week we have a special episode. Back in June, I interviewed German filmmaker Uwe Boll about his experience in game adaptions from the aughts and the tens. We talk about uh, his limitations coming up and we also talk about where he was and how it's built up to where we're at now in game adaptions and some of the, some of the things we see trending going forward. It's a fun interview. I uh, hope you guys enjoy it. As always, we're a Trident Network podcast, so go check out our siblings. Listen to us wherever you get your podcast. As I now say, fuck the algorithm, tell a friend. I hope you guys enjoy this interview. It was a lot of fun recording, and the bros will be back to the regular shenanigans next week. Uh, without further ado, here is my interview with Uva Bull. My guest today played a major role in bringing video game adaptions to the big screen with credits in movies such as House of the Dead, Alone in the Dark, Three Blood Rain films and Postal, German filmmaker, writer, director, producer. Also, I saw that you acted in a few of your films as well. I was not aware of that. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, Uva Boll. Uva, how, how are you doing today? How is Germany? Today? It's my birthday today, so you're good. Happy birthday. And it's the summer, uh, the first day of summer. Eh? And Billy Wilder's birthday today. It's a big, it's a big day in June. So let's get into the questions. I know we're here to talk video game adaptions, but before we do that, I wanted to ask you about your upcoming productions that look like it doesn't look like any of them are video game adaptions. Looks like there's First Shift, which is in post-production, and then 12 Hours, I believe that one's also in post-production. We shot First Shift, a police film in New York in March, and 12 Hours got postponed because I couldn't get a big enough actor as the lead. I just cannot shoot that film without a bigger name. And so we're working on it to get the name and then we shoot it in South Africa. Yeah. Gotcha. It's ready to go. You're just waiting on that one big name to step up and be there for you. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm not talking about Tom Cruise, but I'm talking about <laughs> at least the name everybody in the world knows. And yeah, we, we adjusted the script a little and this is, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's out there to an actor right now. I'm waiting uh, for a, the the feedback you know so it's not so easy anymore a lot of actors having offers for tv series now mm -hmm. and a long time kind of committed to something 10 years ago they would never do this and now a streaming is opening up like the biggest superstars to even tv series and tv shows so uh, it makes it harder for independent features to get actors yeah, it creates a lot more competition for you where there wasn't before, where you could be like, hey, you may not be get it, you may not be getting the next Mission Impossible, but I've got 12 hours here for you. Now they can go and do some hit show on Netflix or Max or whatever it's called now. And they pay better. You know, if they want, if the streamers want a name, they just offer more money. And mm -hmm. it's also for us, of course, limited. You know, we cannot just endless overpaying actors or something. That's impossible. I know we're here to talk about video game adaptions, but do you see a future in like niche streamers? So I, I think of something like Shudder that's kind of made a name for itself in the horror scene. Do you see like a future there for smaller independent films? Whereas, you know, Netflix, the big boys in the game kind of are just gobbling everything else up. Whereas you could see your films maybe in a specialized streamer area. The 2B and so on, you know, there are like in Europe, Mubi, there are like various uh, streamers. I think they are competitive and they, uh, Roku comes up with originals too, like stuff like this. But I think it's also important to not to go too small with mm -hmm. the budgets, you know, you can buy shutters, whatever, like you cannot do for 250,000 bucks a real film. So it's, this is the thing. It's like, 
it, it needs to that the, the smaller players still have a few million bucks to make a film and then you make it look like 10 million, but you have three. But it's very tough for under a million or something to spit anything out. And also to get cast attached. I think a lot of the smaller genre films suck based on the actors because they just cannot afford actors that can really pull it off. And then you have like supporting roles, extremely bad. And that drags the whole film down. And so, you know, so that is the thing. But definitely, I think there is room for fans to watch other streamers. You know, like this kind of, if you do more genre, I think it would help also if they have add-ons, like what you had on Blu-rays and DVDs, making mm -hmm. more, you know, discussion with the director about this thing. I think that is how you get the fans on your streaming app easier if you offer a little more around a film. Do you think there's still a market in those special feature type things, especially in a world where you can't throw a rock without hitting somebody who has like some kind of companion podcast? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a tough question, you know? So it's right now, when you read the articles also with the strikes going and, and so on, you know, like this kind of like the whole, everybody's scared that that business would blow it up collapses right now. You mm -hmm. know, that, that this idea going away from the classical, you have a theatrical release, you have a pay-per-view, a DVD, Blu-ray, whatever, you, you go the classical way, was, there was a reason why that existed, because, of course, you can recoup more money going every single, like, uh, uh, a possible distribution outlet. If you just stream things, that, that, that leads to two things. A, uh, like the streamers spend a lot of money to be competitive, to get market share, but films have no shelf life. They just disappear and uh, nobody cares. You know, I mean, I don't know how you get a Blu-ray of The Irishman. Uh, you know, and it's a shame because it would be maybe the only Martin Scorsese film without a Blu-ray, without a director's commentary, without, you know, like stuff like this is also making films bigger and having, uh, creating a, a history of a film. And I think that is the, that is missing now. And uh, that if they're not in free TV at one point, not in cable, not in airplanes, not in hotels, like all that where in earlier or blockbuster or whatever, you know, in earlier years, uh, a film slowly made the way to, there was a good one. And people remember films 20 years later, like whatever, Heat, Copland, whatever, like all that films, everybody in a way still remembers, you know, and today you have films you watched last week and you totally don't remember the name. You don't know who did it. Who don't know who was like, you forgot the, the title of the film you watched. And it's like, boom, next. It's like TikTok videos, but hundred minute films made for 80 million bucks. Right. And it, it felt like sequels were like, if you didn't make it in box office, you could make up for it in DVDs, and that might get you a sequel. Uh, if you were a show that was popular in syndication, that might get you a renewed Isle of Family Guy or something. And now it kind of feels like feels like all of those lanes of distribution are just completely gone, and we've got this one. So speaking of big movies, you were the you were the video game movie guy for a long time. Yeah. Some people some people may not agree, but I mean, if there was if there was a video game. In the mid 2000s to early 2010s, your name was usually coming up at some point. Uh, the one that I always go back to is House of the Dead. Watched it way too young, way, way too young. So looking at 
looking at the video game movies now, what would you say is the biggest difference between what you were going through and making the the adaptions back in the 2000s, 2010s compared to what filmmakers are doing now with these films and TV shows? I think now they got like, we have the two worlds, right? You have like something like The Last of Us, like a TV series actually, based on the game, what was excellent. And uh, also use the time you have to tell the story that you don't have to squeeze it in a hundred minutes or something. Mm -hmm. And um, at the same time, everything gets more CGI driven in today's time uh, because they put more money in, they are bigger as, we, we always had like 20, 30, 40 million to make a film. Now they spend a hundred, 200 million show and they, they can do more visual effects in a way that uh, you don't have to do the physically action. You, you make it all up basically, you know? And uh, so um, that is, that could be a bad thing overall. And I like more practical action films or uh, genre films where you actually use guns and you use explosions, you use uh, prosthetics and stuff like this. You try to uh, only do the necessary CGI shots where you, you cannot go away with, a, with an animatronic or with a puppet or something like this because it would look ridiculous. But I think it was always like this kind of the little brother only from the Marvel Universe, the comic book films. And it's still uh, kind of the B-movies. You know, like uh, they spend tons of money with it, but it's still, it's not like what they spend on Batman or what they spend on Avengers or films like this. So uh, it's a little different still, but that shouldn't be necessarily a bad thing because I think genre films are more needed as ever in a way that they are told a little more rough you know, Terminator 1, Conan, whatever, like this kind of uh, uh, film style, film style making. What I did also in a lot of films, I think it uh, it's missing in today's time and people getting tired of all the special effects and they see it's all total fake and they were never really in a helicopter, in a, you know, like stuff like this. Right. So, uh, yeah, but definitely... In the time where I started with House of the Dead, we had only like Street Fighter before. We had like uh, uh, Wing Commander. There was not a lot of video game based films before my films. And I think then the market in a way wake up at one point, seeing that video games make way more money in as a business as video games, as comic books. And that nobody really knows all that comic books anymore. I mean, my kids never read a Spider-Man comic, but they right. know Spider-Man in all the films. So, and that is totally different, I think, with video games. I think video games are the number one and the film is the number two. And with comics, that is totally reversed. It's like the films are big and the comic is only now a side effect, you know? So, and I think there's a, is a massive difference also what the fans think about properties. They are very deep into the games. They're a long time playing the games and have, of course, their, their world built for themselves. And, and uh, so, with other words, it is tough to make a video game-based film to really make the fans really happy about it. Mm. You know, and overall, it's, it's, it's similar to you have a totally loved book and you make the film and the book is 600 pages and now you make a two hours film. 
the people that love the book will always say, uh, they left this out, this character out, this side plot out, and find something. On, on the side of games, it's weird now because you hear, you either hear about a game and then like a month later, you'll hear that the film rights were sold. So one, one I don't know if you're aware of this game, The Mortuary's Assistant. You basically play a mortuary's assistant who's trying to find the body that got a demon in it, and you're trying to eradicate that body. That game came out, I want to say it was last summer. Film rights were swiped up for it in August, and now now they're working on that. Uh, it, the, the craziness of that, that something is being made, and then right away the, the options is going out there. I want to I wanna circle back to the big one. So like the Super Mario Brothers that we saw this year, The Last of Us from HBO, and then another one that I not a lot of people are lumping in there, but I think Detective Pikachu is really what set us off on this in this direction that we're heading into right now. But then I look at I look at things in between those, like the Halo series that came out last year, the Middling Witcher. Do you do you think like we're all in such a hurry to like be like yes, video game movies are back and they're go, they're taking off? Do you think we might be getting ahead of ourselves because it kind of feels like it's one for one at this point every time I look at an adaptation as it comes out. Yeah, and I mean, The Last of Us, I don't think a lot of people knew that game. Mm -hmm. You know, when, when I talk to people here, they all said, like, what is that? I said, it's a great show on HBO, but it's based on the game. And they never played it. They had no clue what I was talking about. So and uh, so that that is, of course, kind of a problem, but not necessarily for the audience, right? So because as long as it's good, people watch it if it's based on the game or not. So, but if you do another new, like Dungeons Dragons, Dungeons Dragons, what's what came out with Michelle Rodriguez, this thing, it's this kind of like, uh, I felt a film like this is like this in between where you feel like, what's the point of that film now? You know, because it, ha it doesn't have the A plus stars, it mm. doesn't have the A plus budget. So how can it really compete, you know, with when you have like at the same time that the couple of the new Guardians of the Galaxy and then, and then, and and then it's, it's also a huge problem. What I, what I see in general is the event films in a way are too many, you know, and you cannot like basically in earlier years, we had two or three, this kind of films a year. And now we have like 55 films a year coming out. They are this, this supersized based on comics, based on games, based on uh, franchises uh, or new creations like Extinction 2, what is only on Netflix, whatever, like stuff like this. And uh, I don't like this. I think it's, it's a little too much, too fast, you know? And like House of the Dead came in a way out in a vacuum, right? It just came out and people were excited about it. And then... Some people felt it's totally silly, but when I talk with people now, in retrospective, a lot of people liked it. A lot of people felt, yeah, it's totally campy, but it was also super gory and totally out of control, like the game. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that is the thing. It's also like what I recognize is some people changed their opinions about uh, some of the films. They got done bad reviews by the normal, like San Francisco Chronicle or New York Times writers, whatever. But they had a life, especially then on Blockbuster and and uh, Blu-ray DVD, where uh, where the people enjoyed it to watch to watch that film. But now you have a lot of this product coming out in a way 
um, that it's an inflation of firms and that it's also not good for the genre like video game based films. I think if we have two a year, that should do it. You know, you cannot go higher. And I agree with you. Like I, I was in contact with a Canadian company. They they do like a um, Endgame was the name of the company, and they already have an offer for their uh, for their video game. Um, they do uh, uh, what is it on? A, it's also like a zombie thing on an island. And uh, oh, um, that is that island? No. Yeah, something like this. Oh, yeah. So and uh, let me see here if I find it again quick. And, you know, I felt a little that it's maybe too fast selling it and too fast bringing, bringing this, this stuff out, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, oh, God, the video game company. Well, and a- I, I, look at, I look at, like, so that Mortuary's assistant, I look at, yeah, the game came out, it had a massive audience when it came out. It was this big stream game that everyone watched people play on Twitch and YouTube. And now I wonder, we're a year out, is it still that popular? Is this still something people are going to go to the movies for? Whereas I look at something like Five Five Nights at Freddy's that's been around for, what, almost 10 years now? That movie's getting ready to come out. They've had multiple iterations of on this series. What do they got, like almost eight games or something like that. I, I do wonder like why, yeah, why jump into, why jump into bed with the movies right away when you're just getting your feet on the ground in the other medium? Yeah, but look, I, I think it's also some feel like if we wait too long and the game slows down or whatever, we don't get a great deal, mm-hmm. you know? But for example, Halo came kind of late. It was already an older game where the people were not so much into it anymore, you know? So, and, uh, but I think also some films in a way hurt the game. Assassin's Creed, you know, like whatever, like Prince of Persia. I think that films were not great advertising to keep the the game going (laughs) in a way. You know, it was more like, okay, now forget it. Now I'm not playing it anymore. So they just, yeah, those kind of just came and went and they weren't like, they didn't really leave a mark. Weird with Prince of Persia because you're like, oh, that's a Jerry Bruckheimer movie. Like, this is going to be great. And then you go and see it and you're like, oh, yeah, no. (laughs) (laughs) It was my feeling too, right? So, I was more like overall, when you go back to other things, I was pleasantly surprised from Silent Hill. You know, I was like not expecting uh, a a film what maybe catches really the intensity of the game, but it kind of did. That was a great theater. I saw that one in theaters. That was a great theater experience. Very spooky. Pyramid Head was very daunting. And yeah, they just did a great job at like making it feel like you were playing the game while watching the movie. Uh, Totally. The sound alone, right? So it was like what what also is in the game uh, an enormous uh, uh, spectrum, an enormous power tool. Uh, they really got that, and it really worked. And uh, I was also I almost did Hitman with Jason Statham. So I worked on the rights and with Idos, and I got Fear Effect from them. Uh, and then they said, Ah, you will we, we'll give you Hitman, and then Hitman got done by it was first Vin Diesel. Who and then also didn't make the film, and then the French company did Hitman, and uh, but it was not a bad film. I think Hitman was okay. It was not like a total masterpiece. I still think Jason Statham would be better, but uh, but it was not not a bad film overall. Um, you know, but as we said, like I was like World of Warcraft or whatever. I 
I was not a fan of these films. Like the as more money they spend and as more like the classical Hollywood mega producers came in, like Jerry Bruckheimer, as less uh, connected to the game it got. You know, they, the, the Prince of Persia could be also done by the, the mummy guys or something. I mean, it was just like not really... Uh, you, you saw that Jerry Bruckheimer never looked at the game. He looked just on the sales numbers of the game and mm-hmm. felt, great, that will sell. You know? He looked at the box art and said, okay, uh, get Jake Gyllenhaal dressed up like that. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, there did feel like, the, there felt like a lull, like 2010s on, which I don't, I don't think we really came out of until, I don't want to say Ready Player One because I had mixed feelings about that one, but probably around Detective Pikachu was when we came out of it. And I think Sonic really then put its foot on the gas and that's when we really, really kicked off from there. Do you look back at your video game films and wish there was anything you could like have a do over on any of them? Or do you look back and you're like, no, this is great. I still love this. No, I still love it. And I always say like, look, even if I got the very bad reviews for a lot of them, uh, they made it happen that I could do other films after and that I developed this kind of worldwide distribution net where people like overall films and I could sell a Southern Wall Street to the same people or Rampage and other films I did later. So, um, of course, I would do a lot of things different in the films that, you know, in retrospective. Right. Uh, I said it before, I would never cast Tara Reid again in Alone in the Dark. She's super nice, but she was just dead wrong. So, and that is the thing, you know, but um, you cannot like change the past. Right. And, you know, and that, that is it. I was very happy with uh, Dungeon Siege, was in the name of the king. I think that played very well. But it was a situation where, because I had a discussion with a different podcast a few weeks ago, and the, uh, and when you heard there was a three hours version of Dungeon Siege, it's out in Europe in on Blu-ray and so on, and I, I don't think it's even out in US. So I said, look, that was my problem. Like I got forced. It was Fox at that point. They said, if you don't do two hours, we're not releasing the film. We're not releasing three hours in the movie theater. So I had to cut an hour out of the film. And then you and then you get the reviews, and everybody said uh, it's too jumpy. The story, like the, there's no character development. Yeah, but what do you want to cut out? If you have to cut one third of the film, uh, of course you cut out the character development and the the the, the drama works, and you keep all the money shots in. To, dis- to to show the action, right? So to have like the, because overall it's an action film. So, and that is the thing. It's like, and then people that watch the three hours version, they really liked it, but it's slow, you know? So, and like they let Peter Jackson spit out four hour films, you know, <laughs> but not me. So, and that was the thing. It's like where you feel a little like they should understood or try to understand a little uh, under what circumstances I was, doing all of this and uh you know it's uh, i couldn't do everything just because i wanted it it was all connected to money so uh and then you are also you have to really put things into into account now yeah but overall i'm very happy with how that film turned out i'm very happy with postal uh, i think I sp- the, the spirit of the game is really right there on the on on screen and uh, you wrote that one right that was the one video game adaption you wrote right I mean, I got like uh, various treatments and other writers and so on, but like the most ridiculous things are for me, basically, because I felt like you need to shock, you need to like, uh, 
go overboard and be totally offensive to to everybody. And that is also the film I think most of the like my fans love that film most because it's this kind of uh, nobody would ever do this something like that. It was really like you had a lot of this kind of people. A lot of people watched it and felt like, oh my fucking god, I cannot believe I'm watching it. And I think that is a good thing, you know. And it's too bad because, in a way, I think the world would need Postal Two right now with all the cancel culture, all the, you know, like this kind of censorship, and you cannot do this, you cannot offend these people, this people. I think it's it would be good to offend everybody in a film, but even out, right? So you offend everybody. So everybody is kind of safe, but everybody gets trashed into the garbage can, and they 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 cannot like put Postal into any corner because it's like from Bush to Bin Laden to, to Black, Asians, Whites, like there is no holdbacks to anybody. So, and I miss stuff like this. I miss when I watch comedies. I think a lot of the comedies today, they try to make it right for everybody and then they're getting boring because mm -hmm. it's, like, uh, it's not the way comedy works, you know? So, uh, no, yeah. But so that is why I, why I really like Postal. But I really like Blood Rain too. I always wanted to do Blood Rain uh, number four playing now in today's time. And I never could pull it off. They, they, this company sold Majesco, sold the rights to another company. I negotiated with them to the rights. But then they didn't did the deal. They said, we maybe do another Blood Rain game. We don't want another film. And I said, but why not? I mean, it's like, I think my films are more known as your game, actually. And uh, why you don't want that I do a film playing, I went with every part 100 years forward, from the medieval times to the Wild West to, to the Second World War. Why not doing something now? Like what plays now? So it would be cool. And they didn't want it to do it. So You said Majesco, and it immediately took me back to the mid-2000s. It's the name I haven't heard in forever. <laughs> They, yeah, it feels like they were everywhere and then they were just gone i think they their last thing was that event horizon game where they had that a million dollar contest and then that didn't go anywhere and they're just gone looking at your discography you're obviously a horror guy you video game guy first i think you're a horror guy second after that i know i named the mortuary's assistant i know there's a new silent hill on the way Five Nights at Freddy's is also on the way. Do you look at current games or games from the past in the horror genre where you're like, yeah, you know, I think I could do a good version of that or my, my take on that? Of course, you know, and it, but it's this kind of like, I don't want to offer so much money or now they want so much more money, like for the licenses, because as you said, right, they feel we have a game, it sells, now boom. Uh, we want millions of dollars to do it. And I was looking always for, we paid always a few hundred thousand only. And then uh, also wanted a cooperation, like like doing a, a cooperation in a way, like advertising it together, together or developing a game to, uh, together, like doing stuff like this. Mm. And I think now it's just only the, the studios, when the studios got involved, the prices went up. And now they're all like looking just for the big paycheck. And they don't necessarily care, care about like what is the vision or what can we do together that the game sales go up with the movie too. And we benefit from that too. So the license fee can be lower. So, uh, but of course I would love to do another, I, I always wanted to do Grand Theft Auto, right? So uh, 
that would be because Grand Theft Auto would be the closest to a postal in a way from the style, from that cynical, violent style meets like Fast and the Furious and stuff like this. And uh, I think that a film like this could fly and it should be because I think the Fast and Furious now went so over the hill. It's like not interesting anymore. I, I personally don't like the, the movies anymore. You know, like I, I, I can't have humans flying 300 meters with a cast and, and <laughs> you know, like, and you have nothing. You're not Superman, you're just uh, Vin Diesel. So, and uh, they survive too much in this kind of films. And I think Grand Theft Auto could be more a uh, Ronin style, real car driving, but also of course, a very much cynical gangster story. Grand Theft Auto across the series is a spoof on whatever. So like GTA 4 is a lot of, a lot of it's inspired by heat. You look at GTA 5, it's a lot of it comes from the movie place. So it kind of comes full circle. So how do you come at GTA and say, this is the angle that we're going with it? When it, when you're basically coming back to where it basically essentially started from. I think it has to be the only pitch for me in comparison to a lot of others would be uh, that they should watch Postal. Mm-hmm. There was also a lot of action in Postal, a lot of like car chasing and shooting and whatsoever. And I would say, look how I did it. And I do this style. So I, we do a little different kind of, uh, we do an overdrive, but everything is doable for humans. Every Everything is like, we're not going into the stratosphere with the car chases. So uh, we want to do uh, like hard and realistic um, that we can, like more the older James Bond stuff, you know, and where everything was doable for stunt drivers and stuff like this. You know, I would say we don't do CGI car chases, period. So, uh, you know, stuff like this. And maybe they would respond to it, but from what I know is there is no film planned in a way. And uh, that I honor too, you know, because they got sold out a long time ago, you know, Mm -hmm. and they don't. And they feel like, why? It's like, we have the game, let's keep the game going. And it's maybe the right decision from their end to not uh, make a make a film out, out of it. Yeah. Never uh, never any uh, wants in you to do a, a Resident Evil. I know that um, Alone in the Dark and House of the Dead came off the heels of that first movie. Was there ever any party that was like, you know, I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to dabble in the Resident Evil? Or do you feel it's kind of played out at this point? Yeah, for now, I would say it's, for me, it's done, you know, it's enough. Uh, but I like the first two uh, of Resident Evil. And I mean, Michelle Rodriguez was also in this one. And I felt like um, that was different as what was I saw before. And I mean, they made more box office as Alone in the Dark, definitely. Yeah, I don't want to be, I don't want to do number six or seven or eight on stuff, you know. It was like mm-hmm. Underworld in a way, uh, what I felt also at one point, I don't want another Underworld film. It's enough, you know, so, yeah. But they get up to like four or five on that. I, lo- I lost count because they stopped doing numbers on those. And I was just like, I I don't know which one this is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In the world of streaming right now, do you think if you were putting movies out right now, they would they would be doing better? Like the movies that you put out back in the, the aughts and the tens, if streaming was a mainstay like it was right now do you think people would look back more fondly at your work yes i i think uh they would just uh saw the entertaining value to it more 
because you because you don't have to pay to watch, right? So you're just a, you have your subscription and then it's there and then you watch it and you give it a, a shot. It's it's a little different as to go to Blockbuster and actually pay money to rent a film, for example. Mm. And uh, yeah, and I mean, I we had an interview with a magazine that wrote that article about where the guy said, uh, in a way, I paved the way. He said he said like everybody cursed cursed you out, but without you, there would be maybe never something went in motion. You know, I mean, that is like I mean, if you take all my films out, and it would be nothing there then who knows if they would continue like, uh, or we would be there uh, where we are today. Mm -hmm. So um, maybe it's true, maybe not. I, I, I mean, I cannot buy me anything from it, but I felt like overall that games is, is a great tool to bring something to the audience where they have already kind of a knowledge from, where they have already kind of an idea from before, before it comes before it came right so there were so many zombie films but house of the dead is house of the dead and i think that has an that is an asset to if, if you make a product if you make a film so mm -hmm. yeah and now yeah we will see you know maybe in the end uh, i do another one so i never say no i know i know we're running close on time here have you ever have you ever thought about just cutting out the game developers and just developing your own game and owning your own ip at some point Look, we did that with Tunnel Rat. It's it's still on Steam, you know. But I, I was let's say it this way: Tunnel Rat was a very bad experience for me because the company from Hamburg went under, and the, the I, we prepaid basically to do the game, and uh, they only could finish it for uh, Valve Steam, right? So for uh, as an online game, but they were they were paid to do it also for the PlayStation. So, and uh, that was very disappointing for us and uh, we tanked money on it, but they couldn't finish it. So I'm very careful now with decisions like this. It has to be a development company where it's a win-win and when they finish it. I did, yeah. yeah, I just pulled it up on Steam. I was not aware of this in my research. I did not pop up anywhere on Tunnel Rats, but I'm going to, going to give this a look-see. It's got 35 reviews on Steam. <laughs> Good. I mean, it's not so good because it was kind of like they were only able to do this because, you know, that was the last thing they could do. Because I said, mm -hmm. if, it's, if you're not finishing it at all, I will sue you. So so they, they had issues like getting it up and running and everything. Yes. And sounds so of it. They had problems with the programming and so on. They ran out of money. And for other, they did some other stuff. So it was a Hamburg in Germany, a, product, a company, and I was very mad with them. Yeah. <laughs> well i did not know that little piece of history of you thank you for sharing that i think we have time for one more are there any upcoming game shows or game movies that are coming out that you're excited for i cannot tell you a title i basically right <laughs> right now <laughs> but i mean uh i'm looking out always for things they are cinematic you know, where you can also tell maybe a story what was not told before or where you have the feeling it's the same thing over and over. So that is basically, yeah, we will see. And then are you are you playing any games right now that you're excited about? Is there anything on your, on, on your Steam account or on your PlayStation or Xbox that you got sitting over in the corner? I mean, I have two boys and they are very addicted and uh, playing, they're playing big Fortnite tournaments already boast like worldwide and so i followed them 
but we do also like uh, roadblocks, like you know, like Mario Brothers stuff like this. Uh, playing it together, FIFA, but it's not a film. So uh, I go with them now. You know, I what? go with flow what they like, and uh, it's there. You see, also the one is fourteen, the other one nine. So you have this kind of like you know what is really hot. You know what is really like. Oh you know, yeah, some properties they meant a lot to us call of duty whatever right but they're mm-hmm. not so trendy anymore as they were before yeah it's disheartening yeah. i was talking to a friend who is in their mid-20s and i brought up gears of war i really like gears of war in the in the mid-2000s and they're like what is what is that yeah and it instantly made me feel a little older uh, but i totally get that whatever whatever the kid's into you got to be into I, I wanted to do always Baldur's Gate. So I had like, uh, I made an offer to Hasbro at, at that time. I think mm-hmm. they owned it. And they didn't sold it to me. So, and still could be a good film. Well, and yeah, they just had the new Baldur's Gate come out. So more eyeballs oh. are going to be on that series. Yeah, I yeah. think they just they just went 1.0 pretty recently, or they're getting ready to go 1.0. Uber, this was great. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for all the work that you've put into your films, and can't wait to see First Shift when it eventually hits our screens. I think we have a post-production in the next two months. Still, we do the music now, color correction, and a VFX and stuff. And so uh, there is a First Shift movie website people can check out, and I hope I can do a tr- that the trailer, we can release a trailer in three weeks or something. So if people Google first shift, they will get the information slowly coming in. That'll, that'll be awesome. We'll, uh, we'll keep an eye out for that. Thank you. Thank you again so much for your time. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.